America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. But the left is uh, planning to run a campaign basically saying that we will not continue to be a great nation. We will become a religious republic like The Handmaid's Tale. In fact, specific obsession with The Handmaid's Tale, which honestly wasn't even that entertaining, even if you bought its central premises or the ideological position it was coming from. The fact that this should now be a center of debate just shows you the danger of what is called a slippery slope argument. Okay, the Supreme Court has uh, now reconsidered the idea of Roe v. Wade and the idea that there is a constitutional right to abortion on demand. And what that means is they're coming for us. What will they attack next? There is sitting on my desk here a pile, and it's a pile of about nine different articles from different reputable press sources, all of which are ridiculous that are making claims that uh, somehow what's going to happen is this is only the beginning now that they've gotten rid of abortion uh, not quite yet but uh, that seems to be uh, certainly where things are headed now that abortion is going to face very serious restrictions at the very least next they're going to come after birth control they're going to come after gay marriage they're going to come after transgender rights they're going to come after, well, you, you can name it. Anything that you like or value, the evil Republicans on the Supreme Court are planning to take away from you. Is this based on anything? It actually deliberately contradicts what is actually inside that now notorious a draft decision. We will get to that issue. We'll get to another notorious uh, tendency which is uh, debt forgiveness for people who went to college and particularly for people who went to college but didn't complete college. Do they particularly deserve taxpayer money to pay off the debts that they took out? Uh, we'll talk about that with David Frum. He has a terrific piece. It's written from a sympathetic position to Joe Biden but talks about the uh, idea that if he forgives college debt, voters, most of whom are not college educated, voters will not forgive him. Uh, this is a key potential mistake of huge consequence for Joe Biden. It's also manifestly unfair. And uh, we're also going to be speaking about speaking of unfair What's wrong with our electoral system? I mean, one of the things that has been brought up about this particular situation with the Supreme Court's voting on uh, Roe v. Wade is that the five uh, sure votes or announced votes against uh, the, uh, uh, the idea of continuing, maintaining Roe v. Wade, maintaining the idea that there is a, an invisible constitutional right to abortion, those votes are overwhelmingly from uh, Supreme Court justices who were appointed by presidents who lost the popular vote. Now, uh, Ralph Reed makes a very good point, which is uh, the presidents they have in mind, of course, are George W. Bush and uh, Donald Trump. 
And while, okay, it's true that Trump's three justices, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, those three justices were appointed by a president who was duly elected with the Electoral College. That's the way our system works. But he lost the popular vote. George W. Bush lost the popular vote, too, and took office, though he lost the popular vote by about uh, a half a million votes. That was back in the year 2000. It was 2004, however, that he won the popular vote by three million votes. He won by the popular vote by more, a higher percentage and more actual votes than Hillary did. And it was only after that victory that he appointed Justice Alito, who wrote this opinion, and he appointed Chief Justice John Roberts, who is at the moment uncommitted as to how he is going to vote. So the idea that uh, the entire majority, Supreme Court majority, was appointed by people who had never won a popular vote isn't true. But what is true is that we have had a spate of elections where it's been very close in the Electoral College, even though it's been far more decisive in terms of the popular votes. So is that an indication that the electoral system is broken? I think it's troublesome. I think it's a problem because all of a sudden the idea that you have people who challenge the legitimacy of the George Bush administration or who challenge the legitimacy of the Donald Trump administration uh, because of the popular vote and the way that we select our presidents. Uh, I do think that that bears examination. We'll be t talking to uh, leaders of a group called uh, about fair vote, uh, about changing our electoral system so that it uh, maybe doesn't last so long with the constant campaigning and the literally billions of dollars of expenditures. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. The um, continuing conversation about uh, abortion and about what it means and who the uh, Republicans are going to come after next, I, I mean, it is so extreme and it all is, is uh, based upon this supposition that given the fact that uh, the Republican majority on the Supreme Court with uh, six out of the three justices, uh, six uh, uh, justices being appointed by Republicans and being more sympathetic to an originalist interpretation of the Constitution, in other words, the Constitution means what it says. You can't make up the idea of a growing, changing, mutating Constitution. It actually is there in clear language. And that idea is, yes, now a majority of the Supreme Court. And the claim is increasingly that uh, this is going to lead to all kinds of uh, disasters. And, and taking away of our rights. For instance, over at the Daily Beast, uh, there, there is a piece that uh, headline, if the Supreme Court can overturn Roe v. Wade, it can ban interracial marriage, which, by the way, is not true. Uh, the Supreme Court cannot ban interracial marriage. It's, it's unheard of. 
And the fact is there's also what they call a reliance argument here. There are literally tens of millions of people who have interracial marriages. The Supreme Court can't call them invalid. And no one has asked for it. No one has requested it, not even for a moment. But here's what they, they say, and the Daily Beast says they're coming. They won't stop with reproductive rights. We need to fight back now. Here we are, thanks to a fully radicalized right-wing movement engaged in a zero-sum absolutist game to attain minority rule for white Christian men by any means necessary. Is that what we're dealing with? If the uh, court upholds the law and overturns Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which affirmed that the state is prohibited from banning most abortions, the ruling will allow its right-wing majority to zero in on marriage equality and the use of contraceptives, which will be next on the chopping block. A any evidence of that at all? The, the one piece of evidence they bring up is there was a uh, forum, it was a video forum with Senator Mike Braun of, uh, of Indiana. And they asked, well, if the uh, court can, can do what they've done and strike down Roe v. Wade, can they strike down Loving versus Virginia, which was the case in 1967 that threw out prohibitions on interracial marriage. Let's be clear. The court never, ever imposed prohibitions on interracial marriage. It was state legislatures that did that. And the idea that you assume that the court's going to do this single-handedly without actually reflecting the will of the people is ridiculous. We'll get to more and understanding and coming to grips with this whole thing coming up on the MedVet Show. show uh, trying to talk some people down off the ledge who are just desperately misled by a lot of the media, media treatment of this draft decision. It may not even be the final wording. In fact, it probably won't be the final wording. Everybody acknowledges, everybody, that they are likely to at least change some of the language in the draft decision that uh, Justice Sam Alito has written. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number here on the Michael Medved Show. Talking, of course, about the increasingly intense and increasingly detached from reality uh, panic over the potential looming decision by the Supreme Court on uh, Roe v. Wade. And uh, again, some of this stuff is just so bananas. A gay marriage, other rights at risk after U.S. Supreme Court abortion move. That's at Reuters. And like all of these articles, they're d deliberately misleading people. There are very few that do a more honorable job. I, I, I actually uh, do want to credit Vox.com because at least they have nine legal experts on what rights the Supreme Court might target next. The Supreme Court doesn't generally target rights. What they do is they hear cases. And they had a case about a law that had been passed overwhelmingly 
and was very popular with Democratic votes, by the way, uh, to pass a law in Mississippi that would have banned abortions after 15 weeks, which, by the way, would have excluded any impact at all on 95% of the abortions in the country. Because 95% of the abortions in the country take place during the first 15 weeks. Why? Because it's easier, it's safer, and it means less potential suffering for a baby. And if you don't want to call it a baby, you can call it a fetus. I, I don't like using the term fetus because generally uh, I've never ever heard uh, anybody coming up to someone who's very pregnant, as one of our daughters happens to be right now, and saying, oh, how's the fetus doing? I mean, if, if, if you're addressing um, that life inside of you as a fetus, it's probably a signal that, uh, well, I, I just be a little bit careful about the, the safety of the baby in that situation. Michael in Kirkland uh, writes in to me, and we just got this yesterday. He said, listening to your pathetic discussion, Ray, abortion decision on Monday, May 9th, uh, not once do you mention how these justices perjured themselves to get on the court to pursue their religious agenda. You have some right-wing nut job on the show to speak for women's rights. The Supreme Court has lost all credibility, and all these fascist, red state, racist clowns will not prevail. You've lost me forever, and I'm a Republican. Okay, I don't think I deserve to lose you forever when this might be one of the few sources you'll get some real background on this issue and some discussion of the truth. And to just give you an example, I was talking about this big piece in, uh, uh, that appeared in the, in the Daily Beast under the heading, if the Supreme Court can overturn Roe v. Wade, it can ban racial marriage. I, I, I'll challenge anyone here. Tell me how the Supreme Court could ban racial marriage. They couldn't. Uh, let's say the Supreme Court wanted to ban racial marriage. What they would have to do would be to say that we're overturning Loving v. Virginia, and now it goes back to the state legislatures. And how many state legislatures would ban interracial marriage? Right now, I looked it up, the percentage of Americans who are opposed to interracial marriage, it's 4%. And I don't even want to know that 4%. I mean, people who think, frankly, that the government should step in uh, according to race and a clear violation of the 14th Amendment and and more. Uh, th the idea that a state legislature would vote to do that, that's appalling. I have heard of no one, no one who believes that that should happen. And what they try to do is they try to impute to oh, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Republican, of course, and he's a conservative Republican. He's a good guy, by the way. They claim that... Uh, uh, he actually stood up in favor of uh, overruling Loving v. Virginia and uh, permitting uh, bans on interracial marriage. He didn't, and he, he actually, it was, it was a confusing question and answer. I will grant that. It was not well handled. Literally, the same day, Senator Braun came back and said, no, 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 
I am in complete support of Loving v. Virginia, and I have no intention. I think it would be a disaster if the court stepped in and said, okay, uh, we are going to overrule that case. The, the point is that overruling that case doesn't mean that automatically you are declaring that the Supreme Court now opposes interracial marriage. What you're saying is the Supreme Court is giving our legislative leaders more leeway. That's what the decision means on abortion. The, the fact is that this decision doesn't compel abortion law in any state. What it does do very directly is it indicates that the uh, attempt to overturn the Mississippi rule, which allows for abortions for, for any reason, in the first 15 weeks of pregnancy, it allows 95% of the abortions to go forward. And so the idea is we're responding to that. We have to allow 100% of all abortions to go forward, which is basically certainly what uh, Chuck Schumer wants to do with his Women's Health Protection Act. Now, this is going to go for a vote before the Senate. It will not get 50 votes because some of the uh, mildly pro-choice Republicans, people like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, they have their own bill, which is far more moderate as a federal bill, and recognizing the fact that the way the Constitution has it and the way that most people in America really should support it is doing it state by state. The idea that you are, if you are a pro-lifer, if you are going to oppose the same kind of bill they have in Texas and try to oppose that bill on California, that's not right. That doesn't reflect the will of the people. And if you are somebody who is a radical pro-choicer, as I believe that uh, Senator Schumer has shown himself to be, and you want to impose uh, the kind of bill they have in New York or California and impose that on Alabama, then you are ignoring the will of the people. And it's not appropriate, and it's not useful. So there's an attack on democracy going on. There are attacks on democracy around the world. How do we protect our democracy by changing some presidential rules? We'll get to that and more with people from Fair Vote coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show, uh, there's an organization called Open Democracy uh, that says that uh, overturning Roe v. Wade is just the beginning. They won't stop at abortion. The Republican Party is poised to impose a Christo-fascist theocracy upon all Americans, limiting the rights of women and LGBTIQ. That's new. I don't know where the I came from. What, what does the I mean? Indeterminate? Or, I mean, I know transgender is the T and Q means queer or questioning. But uh, really? Uh, okay, and limiting the rights of women in LGBTQIQ. All right. With all of this hysteria, uh, tell me how you think it would work. No, no, seriously. I, I, I'd, I'd love to hear, and I will listen. 
because it is ridiculous. 1-800-955-1776. Now, part of what you need to look at in the question of context is how foolish it is on both sides to go for these slippery slope arguments. And it's one of these things where, oh, for instance, uh, and I, I, there may be some people very angry at this, but I, I got to tell you, I've always been less than persuaded by arguments uh, on the gun issue, where basically if uh, all of a sudden you are creating an obligation for some kind of background check or registration or some relatively moderate restriction on pure availability of every sort of gun to every sort of citizen or non-citizen. If you're putting any limitation at all on access to firearms, people say that means they're going to confiscate all the guns. They're going to do what they did in Australia, get rid of all the handguns and go door to door and take away the guns. That's a slippery slope argument. Uh, once you've started, there's no way to stop. That's what the Democrats are doing here. It's the ultimate slippery slope argument, and it's stupid because it's not based on anything. The, uh, I, I, the one piece of all these different pieces that uh, I've been going over is uh, there's a piece in Vox, and it, it says, after Roe, nine legal experts on what rights the Supreme Court might target next. And... Uh, they they list all these different professors, and uh, they they start out with uh, a professor named um, Melissa Murray, who's a law professor at New York University, which is a very liberal law school. She says, although Justice Alito insisted that the draft opinion's antipathy for settled precedent was limited to abortion, the opinion was littered with casual references to Lawrence v. Texas a uh, 2003 decision decriminalizing same-sex sodomy, and she lists a bunch of other decisions. She then says, more ominously, in a passage emphasizing judicial restraint, Justice Alito underscored that respect for a legislature's judgment applies even when the laws at issue concern matters of great social significance and moral substance. Why is that ominous? In other words, given the fact that we, we do have a legislative function in this country, which is to make laws, to draft laws, an executive function to enforce laws. It is not the function of the judicial branch to determine which laws they like and which laws they don't. And she says, uh, like the abortion right, these rights are implied from the 14th Amendment. And uh, she talks about rights to access to contraception and other things that was secured by the Griswold case in 1965. She says, um, like the abortion right, these rights are implied from the 14th Amendment's guarantee of liberty and the notion of constitutional privacy. And like abortion, they will come under fire as conservatives cast about for their next constitutional crusade. Really, do you think that conservatives are just looking for constitutional crusades? What would be the sense of supporting any of these other uh, changes in judicial interpretation 
that everybody is so concerned about. The fact is that Justice Alito, in writing his opinion, if you read the opinion, Justice Alito goes point by point by point, talks about contraception. He talks about the same-sex marriage. He talks about, and he says specifically, this is not in danger at all. Why? Because there is a reliance factor. In other words, people have based their lives on getting married to each other. You can't capriciously just change the law if you are a Supreme Court when there is that level of reliance. And when he puts that in this decision and puts it specifically and explicitly in this decision, that makes it very difficult to use the decision as the basis for overturning any of these uh, other precedents that they fear are going to be overturned. Uh, the, uh, the, the one thing about this piece in Vox with the nine legal experts, it, uh, it actually does include some opinions by some reasonable academics who talk about uh, just how unlikely it would be for any of this to be directly overturned. And it would be uh, extraordinarily unlikely. For instance, uh, if, if you take a, take a look at uh, what Rick Simmons says, he is a law professor at uh, The Ohio State University. He says, the decision in Obergefell, that's the, uh, the case that declared a right to same-sex marriage, the decision in Obergefell that guarantees a right to a same-sex marriage is likely to be safe. Even if that decision now rests on shaky legal ground, the court will still consider the principle of stare decisis, which basically means that the court will defer to legal precedents. Justice Alito argues that the argument for stare decisis is not especially strong for Roe because its holding, with ambiguous terms and shifting standards, was unworkable. And there were no strong uh, reliance interests in the case. That is, that people had generally not organized their lives in irrevocable ways because of the right to abortion. Obergefell is very different. Its holding is extremely simple and workable, and most importantly, Hundreds of thousands of couples have now relied on the ruling in order to marry and start families. Thus, overruling Obergefell would be a much greater challenge to the principle of stare decisis. It is important to note that even if some of the prior decisions, writes Professor Simmons, establishing constitutional rights are overturned, that does not mean that there will be an appetite in the state legislatures to ban such practices. We know this will happen with abortion laws because the country has never reached a consensus on the abortion issue. But it is unlikely that many, if any, states will now rush to ban contraceptives or even to ban same-sex marriage, given the high level of consensus that the country has reached on those issues. Uh, the court wants to get out of the abortion business, he said. But that business is uh, just beginning. And that business beginning will be with the states. And the court will be out of that business because once you've declared that there is no actual constitutional federal right to abortion, now it's up to the Congress to determine uh, should we try to make a federal law either 
banning or specifically guaranteeing a right to abortion. Uh, this is something where there may be di disagreement direct between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. show uh, there is supposedly according to one of our major news services an intelligence bulletin that warned abortion facilities are now at risk of terrorism which is let us hope ridiculous and certainly it indicates that it is ridiculous all the terrorism so far has been against Catholic churches and uh, pro-life facilities. But we will get to that. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, announced that on Wednesday uh, there is going to be a fateful vote to codify abortion rights, basically to uh, have the Senate take a position uh, that's already passed the House so that Congress would mandate for the entire country, for every single state, abortion rules that were actually beyond what Roe v. Wade provided or required. Here is what uh, Senator Schumer had to say. Listen. So tonight I will set up a vote for Wednesday on legislation that will codify the fundamental right to an abortion into federal law. Every American is going to see where every senator stands on protecting one of the most important rights a woman has regarding her own body. I want to be clear, this week's vote is not an abstract exercise. This is as real and as high stakes as it gets, and Senate Republicans will no longer be able to hide from the horror they've unleashed upon women in America. After spending years packing our courts with right-wing judges and justices, after changing the rules of the Senate, to push three rigidly conservative justices after stealing the nomination of Merrick Garland. The time has come for Republicans, this new MAGA Republican Party, to answer for their actions. If Senate Republicans allow the Supreme Court's decision to stand, it will be open season, open season on women's rights in America. Okay, what does that mean? open season on women's rights and uh, the idea that he said the Senate changed the rules to uh, put through Republican judges it was actually Harry Reid and the Democrats who originally changed the rules and basically pulled back on the filibuster which uh, which Chuck Schumer doesn't like anyway the the point about this vote is it's just a political stunt. It is an abstract exercise, even though he says it is not. It's uh, it, it's outrageous, and uh, and and it's wrong that he takes that position, uh, because basically, 
when he's talking about, well, if, if it doesn't pass the Senate, it's not going to pass the Senate. It's not going to get close to the 60 votes. Uh, they just announced that there were two Democratic U.S. senators who were unsure about whether they were going to vote for a federal right to abortion. Those two senators were Joe Manchin, naturally, and, uh, and also Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, who had been elected and then re-elected as a pro-life Democrat. His father, who was the governor of Pennsylvania, was a pro-life de Democrat whose, whose name is on the Casey case, which was the follow-up to Roe v. Wade in 1992. In any event, uh, Senator Casey is going to vote with the Democratic majority. Senator Manchin is still undetermined. Uh, but uh, they aren't going to get close to the 60 votes they would need. They only have uh, two prospective uh, Republican votes, and I think they're both a no because they're doing such an ex extreme bill. The two Democrats, the two Republicans, pardon me, who they had been hoping to win over were Senator Collins and Ke uh, Senator Murkowski, who put together their own far more moderate bill. But the, the basic point here is that what the so court is saying is that uh, the you cannot dictate abortion policy to the states from Washington, D.C. That's what the Alito decision says. So for any attempt, future attempt by Mitch McConnell, he said uh, in answering questions that he would be open to it for the Republicans to dictate a federal abortion policy or for Democrats to do it. It's a no-go. It's a non-starter because that probably would not pass judicial muster. Let me just give you one little example that they point out in the Wall Street Journal and it's very important. Is there are several states that have passed abortion rules that basically say if the abortion, if the mother certifies that the abortion is specifically for the purpose of sex selection, in other words, they want a little boy and they don't want a little girl, that that, that is not a justifiable reason to seek an abortion. Uh, we're not going to declare, to use democratic language, open season on little girls. And of course, this Schumer bill would completely throw out those rules. In other words, if, if you want to abort two, three, four, five different babies because you want uh, a baby of a different gender, a cisgender, how do transgender people even abide that kind of uh, provision? Uh, at, at the idea that y you are not allowed to protect someone, and of course, there's been all kinds of discussion if they ever did discover some kind of genetic means to test to see if a child was going to be in utero determined to be either transgendered or uh, gay. Uh, should you be allowed to abort that baby? What a hateful thought, right? I mean, and again, the Schumer bill would be as extreme as it gets on that or any other abortion regulation. This is a CBS claiming that uh, there are dangers of terrorism looming for abortion clinics. Listen, this is clip six. Meanwhile, an intelligence bulletin reviewed by CBS News warns extremists could be mobilizing during this powerful debate nationwide, potentially targeting abortion clinics and government officials.
As for this black fencing, this is very reminiscent to what we saw across the street outside the Capitol after the January 6th attack. No one likes the looks of it, but the belief is, Gail, it could deter attacks. Okay, what about the attacks on a beautiful Catholic church in Boulder, Colorado, where they threatened to burn the Eucharist? Uh, they uh, did graffiti. They, they apparently have millions of dollars worth of damage on that particular church. They also firebombed with Molotov cocktails thrown into a family action, pro-family, pro-life facility in Madison, Wisconsin. One of the things that they are not even acknowledging there is there has been a dramatic decrease in uh, anti-abortion violence. And yes, it used to be a problem. Uh, basically trying to bomb abortion clinics. There was even an assassination in Buffalo, New York of a, an abortion doctor. There was a, another assassination or attempted assassination in Kansas the only uh, abortion facility in Kansas providing late-term abortions. But the anti-abortion movement, the pro-life movement, has basically cleaned up its act and been very clear in condemning that kind of violence. Don't we need that kind of condemnation from Schumer? He said nothing about it. To condemn the idea of going to people's homes? Why wouldn't you do that? Because think about it, we would hear certainly about any kind of anti-abortion violence that has basically gone away over the course of the last 20 years. And it's gone away because a lot of the people who do care about the issue of human life have basically said this is not the way to advance our cause. This is unjustified. It is wrong. It is disgusting. It is not the way you do things in America. And the same way that I think that the country has reacted in horror to some of the excesses of the so-called Black Lives Matter movement with some of the violent excesses there, and has reacted with uh, disgust at the violent excesses we saw on January 6th, and there are people being asked to pay that penalty, so too there ought to be the same kind of crackdown on both sides certainly of the abortion issue and people who threaten violence against churches or public officials or uh, pro-life organizations and anyone who threatens or vandalizes or attacks either side on this particular issue Meanwhile, we do have a broken political system, as a lot of people believe. When you take a look at how much it costs, how difficult it is, how generally screwed up our presidential election system is, there's even a, a declining interest in doing presidential debates, at least on the part of Republicans. So where do we change? What do we do? Where do we go from here in this greatest nation on God's